Hallelujah. Well, if you're glad you're forgiven this morning, put your hands together. Let God know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Lord God, we just pray today for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of our understanding would be opened, that we would be enlightened to know what is the hope of the riches of the inheritance of your children, your people. Father God, we know he that has begun a good work in us shall complete it on to the coming of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. You're not done yet. Yes, Lord, you still have your plan in motion, and we are still a significant, eternal part of it. And for that, God, we're grateful. Now let us see your word, your will, your plan. Let us not operate by our perception, but let the conception of your word be birthed in us in a big, big way. We just give you the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, put your hands together if you love him. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, We're happy today. We're celebrating um, one of our little family members is getting baptized down the road, little Annabelle. Um, Harry and Wendelin's granddaughter. So we're thankful for that. God is increasing his kingdom. Amen. All the time. Welcome those of you that are online this morning. Glad you're there. The Bible says that when two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of us. I got some things I want to unpackage today. Some nuggets. There's going to be a lot of them. So I don't know. You may uh, want to write a few of them down. um, Or you may want to listen and listen to this one or two times over. So I'm just going to, just as I'm sitting there worshiping, just so many different little nuggets and revelation of God and his word just come to me. And always remember, anytime somebody wants to reveal something to you about God and you can't substantiate it through scripture, then I would absolutely reject it. uh, Because, uh, you know, people have their own ideals. And something that you got to understand about God, that revelation of God is not, it does not come from the seat of sophistication. Uh, the Bible says that the gospel is simplistic. Um, God made it simple for us. So as us as human beings being created in the image of God, sometimes we try to overthink things. And sometimes we say, certainly it can't be that easy. Certainly there's got to be something more behind the veil. But no, God made it simple. But the light of revelation explodes on the inside of you. When revelation comes, it brings a confirmation to your heart, to your spirit, that you have encountered truth in the nuggets of God's plan and will according to his word. You know, it's, you know, something as simplistic of why we gathered here today. You know, the Bible says for us in the book of Ephesians that we're to put on the whole armor of God. People gather around his word. What are they doing? They are arming themselves. I'm arming myself every day. Putting on the armor of God isn't uh, quoting uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 over yourself every morning, although that can be part of it. But putting on the armor of God is putting the word on the inside of you. Why? Because the enemy will constantly fire darts at you. That's his plan. He wants to, he wants to darken the light that God is trying to shine through. Uh, 
So this morning we come to, to build our faith, to put on our weapons, because in the hour that we're living in, I'm sure it's not unlike other hours and other generations that people were living, the enemy constantly tries to come and take the seed of the word of God out of your heart. That's his plan. He wants to quench the light in you. He's not after people that walk in darkness. He already has them. He, he uses no effort against them. He has no need to use any effort against them. However, he will use people that walk in darkness to try to cast a shadow on the light that is in you. That is part of his plan. And it can come from the people that are closest to you. It can come from uh, childhood friends. It can come from family members. It could come from a co-worker. It could come from a classmate. If you're walking in light, know the enemy's constantly working to try to cast a shadow over it. Not necessarily through individuals that are have malice against you. It's just they walk in darkness. And what you possess is something very precious, something something very powerful, something very tangible, and something that uh, possesses eternal life in God and in Christ. So um, let your light so shine in the world. Amen? So as we build our faith, now the Bible says that in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. A lot of people would say, man, that's just kind of odd. That doesn't seem, that's difficult. What does that even mean? Now faith is the substance of hope, well, things we hope for, and the evidence of things not seen. Let me put it to you this way. If you have hope this morning, hope for anything, hope for eternal life, hope for a future with your family, hope for a better job, hope for... Um, uh, a, a deliverance of a family member. So any type of hope that you possess in your heart right now is evidence that you have a portion of faith. Now, remember, the Bible says that God dealt to every man the measure of faith. Every man, every woman has the measure of faith. So any time that you would have, you possess hope, and you can you, you have an anticipation of better things to come, that's evidence that you have one side of faith, right? So you have a partial faith. Now the next part of faith is the evidence of what we cannot see. So what would that actually mean? I have hope, I've got part of faith, and, and so now, uh, what is the evidence of what I can't see? This is very difficult for me to understand. Really, it's not that difficult. It, it's simplistic. So have to ask yourself the question, do I possess the evidence of what I cannot see? Well, if you would say in your heart, I have faith to become a successful businessman. I have faith to become a successful doctor. I have faith to become um, a business owner. So you have hope that you can do that. That's your substance. And the evidence that you can't see, although the evidence is there, is that someone else is doing it. There's evidence that you can't see in the reality of your own present circumstance, but the evidence is there because you can see it in some, someone else, right? So you have hope. And there's evidence. It can be. I have the substance of things, so forth. The evidence of things that I cannot see. This is faith. It's pretty simplistic. But we just try to make this real deep and real theological. And No, I'm walking in faith right now. How, how do I know that? Because I have hope in my heart, and it's a substance. Right? I have hope. 
and I have evidence of what I cannot see. Jesus raised from the dead. I didn't see that, but there's evidence, right? Jesus healed the blind. I, I never saw that, but there's evidence. This is faith. You have more faith than you know that you have. You believe that Jesus walked on a land that most of us never seen. You believe that he was born of a virgin birth that you never seen. You believe that he was crucified on the cross that you never seen. You believe that he raised from the dead and came out of the tomb which you've never seen. If you believe that, you have the hope, the substance of that future eternal life, and we have the evidence of things that we did not see. You've got faith. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you got faith. Man, and God just wants to continue to build your faith. Now, how do you continue to build on hope that is a substance and evidence that is not seen? The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you want to strengthen your faith in an area, if you want to strengthen your faith that you can become a doctor, what do you have to do? You got to go to the books right? You got to put something in you that builds your confidence in what you have faith that you will become, right? If you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that one day we will have eternity with him, and that he paid the price for your sins, and that his Holy Spirit reborn and recreated your human spirit and you became alive and you got born again. If you want to continue to increase that faith, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you're building that on the inside. That's why we gather as a people on a Sunday morning, but certainly an hour a week is not going to get you to a place where you're walking in day-to-day victory. Because the shadow that the enemy cast is a daily shadow. I mean, he's not stopping to steal your faith. Now, so if faith cometh by hearing, then faith must goeth by not hearing. So if your faith is getting weak, then you're not putting enough of the word in. If you go to an exam next week, a high school exam, a college exam, you got to pass the bar, you got you, what, what, you to pass a state board. And the closer and the closer you get to that without putting the word and the information in you, the closer that date comes, the less confidence you're going to have that you're going to succeed, right? It's really simple. It's the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus is the word. So if you feel yourself drifting in the faith, all you have to do is put the word back in you. Sometimes the problem is the enemy fires more darts than we have defense to quench, right? So we're, we're in a day now that information is so available to us. It's so ready. It's so right there. And the scripture says that a book written 2,000 years ago, that when man challenges your faith, when secular, humanistic, atheistic, 
uh, people try to challenge what you believe, you're supposed to have an answer, right? In other words, you're supposed to be building your life and relationship with God to the point where you understand him in his word, that you see the bigger picture and that you can dial in on a micro level to bring understanding to somebody's questions about God. And with the hour that we're living in, the questions are just, they're great. And they are directed. They're specific. They're very challenging. Well, if God and why God and you have no evidence, prove to me that there's God and the earth, the earth is billions of years old. How did he do it in seven? You really believe that the ark, you know, that God flooded the earth and all these different things. And if you're a Christian that has faith, but you have not put the substance and the evidence on the inside of you, and you don't have the ability to answer such questions, it's gonna, the enemy will take that and cause you to question what you believe. That'll do one of two things. With people that are around you that pressure you into unbelief, if you do not search the scriptures to refute their challenge and you let those thoughts and those seeds continually meditate in your mind, you're going to find yourself sliding over into the wide path because there's a lot of people there that will comfort you in that journey. Christianity is not a religion for weak-minded people. It's not a crutch for the underwhelming. It takes men and women of strength, character, integrity, and stamina to hold on and endure to the end with your faith in hand. There is a weeding out process if you did not know that. Yeah. The Bible says that God plants the seed on four different types of soil, and only one of them springs up and actually produces lasting fruit. The other three hearts that the word is planted on, the word, the seed gets choked out by many things, and you can read that in the parables. So know this, that standing as a born-again believer holding on to faith in God and what Christ did for you in your sin is no sign of weakness, my friend. That's a sign of strength and character. You've put your finger on something. You found the truth. You found something worth living for, and you found something worth dying for. And if you have found it, and you've not reckoned your life in a position that you're going to live for it, you will in turn also have a hard time dying for it. Because when you live for it, at the same time, you also die for it because you die to self, right? So don't allow uh, the light that is in you to be darkened. Go to Genesis chapter one. Let me show you a few little nuggets here. Some of the challenges that you're going to be faced with and what God has to say about it. Genesis chapter one, in the beginning. The scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and God and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay, so Genesis 1, 1 through 3, so much in this scripture, it has been dissected probably more than any scripture in 
the Bible. So in the beginning, God. God is eternal. What did he do in the beginning? So we have the story of Genesis. The Bible says, and I'm going to drop this in there because I heard a nugget last night that I thought was so profound. One of the biggest challenges that we face today against the atheist and against the, the humanist is that, you know, God, do you really believe that God created an earth that has evidence that it's millions and billions of years old? Do you really believe that he created the earth in six days? Do you believe that? You must be a fool to believe such a thing. Because after all, we have the evidence that the earth is millions and possibly billions of years old. So in our understanding of this dimension to which we live in, time, this, uh, this three-dimensional construct, time, which has a beginning and an ending, we would look at the earth, and if we can produce carbon evidence or whatever you want to say, and say there's no way that the earth is only 6,000 years old, and there's no way that God could have done this in six days. And I heard something last night. I thought, oh, my gosh, how did I never see this before? The Bible says that after God formed the earth, created the earth, the dirt, and everything else, that he formed man from the dust of the ground on the sixth day. He formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into the nostrils of Adam the breath of life, and Adam became a what? A living soul. I have a question for you. When Adam opened his eyes, he was a man, correct? He opened his eyes. He was a man, correct? When he took a rib out of Adam and he created Eve as a helpmate, she was a woman, right? How old was Adam the day he opened his eyes? So, when you have a baby, and the baby comes out of the womb, the day that he takes his first breath, we believe he's one day old, right? Pretty simple. So Adam, when he was formed, so let's say he was the form of a 30-year-old man or a 90-year-old man. Of course, they lived to be 900 years after the fall, so he could have been born as a hundred-year-old man in our understanding and our thinking. So the question is, can God create with embedded history? Right? He was one day old the day he opened his eyes and mouth, but he would have had the appearance of our understanding of a 30-year-old man a 60-year-old man, but he was created with embedded history. God is outside of time. He's not linear. He is alpha, omega, beginning and the end. Do you think it's possible that God can create an earth with embedded history? I mean, if he can create a man, well, boy, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that or not. Boy, that's awful strong, preacher. That'd be awful hard to believe. He's God, isn't he? Well, wait a minute. 
I mean, here's some things that we just take for granted and believe and have no evidence for, and we don't think anything of it. That the moon travels 2,288 miles an hour around the earth. And the earth travels 67,000 miles per hour around the sun. And that our galaxy travels 1.3 million miles an hour our galaxy away from the universe. Our galaxy right now is traveling 1.3 million miles an hour away from the universe since the Big Bang, right? We believe that. And we believe that the ship down there floating down here under Australia is actually traveling upside down. Right? The globe? Australia, down here on the bottom of the globe, wouldn't that be true? But we just believe that, and we're allowed to believe that. I'm not trying to get you to unbelieve that, but if you can believe that and not believe this, you haven't seen that. You haven't, you haven't even been to lower level space. We believe the pictures that they paint for us. We believe what they tell us, and you're allowed to believe it. Whether it's true or not, they search for evidence. They try to produce the substance for you, so you'll have faith that what they're saying is true. Maybe it is. You decide. But it's amazing what we pick and choose out of a spectrum of seemingly impossibilities and what we choose to believe. So I say, well, wait a minute, God can create the earth possibly in six days with embedded history because he made Adam in one day as a grown man. We would say, wait a minute, why didn't he make him a a baby and let him grow so we could understand it? So our finite thinking could grab a hold of it and say, now that makes sense. Right? That's why we have to use the word of God as an anchor for our soul and not deviate. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Big argument for why people don't believe that Jesus is God. The Muslims say that we won't worship Jesus because we won't worship a man. And, and, And Numbers says that God is not a man. So if God's not a man, how can Jesus be God? Great question. This is the, some of the shadowing. This is Satan's shadowing of your light. He wants to sh- put a shadow across your understanding. And he wants to put a shadow on your light. He wants to darken the light that's in you by questioning things in this book that we claim is absolutely true. But we can't answer that. Can we? You can answer. I can answer it. Can anybody stand up and look at a Muslim and say, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. 
Well, that's what the scripture says. But nowhere in Numbers does it say that God would never become a man. It just says, here he's not a man. But it doesn't say anywhere in Numbers that he would never become a man. But it says that if he did become a man, what kind of man he would be. He would be a man that would not lie. Because we see in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, that God actually did become a man. Prophesied by Isaiah. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Everlasting Father, the Mighty God, who this child that shall be born among you. Right? Don't, don't get tripped up. God's not afraid of any challenge. He's not afraid of any fiery dart of the wicked one. He's given us enough evidence, enough revelation, and enough understanding to fight for our faith. Do you believe that? And then we see in John chapter 1 that God became flesh and dwelt among us. But if you're stuck over there in numbers and you can't answer that and you're just tripping the shadow gets darker and darker. You have no reason to be afraid of anybody challenging the God that you serve. The answers are all embedded in his word. There will be those that will not be able to see it. Why? Because there's a difference between light and darkness. Now let's break this down. He says here that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God began to move, and God said, let there be light. Where? Let the light break through on the earth. We know in creation, he made a, a greater light and a lesser light. But there's something about light. Scripture says that you and I, as born-again believers, we are the light of the world. Jesus is the light. His light shines through us. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, you can turn there, go there. Let's, let's just open it up. Let's unpackage it. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Yeah. Are you getting anything? And I'll have to admit to you that growing in my faith has never come without questioning or has not ever come without a lack of understanding. But there's nothing that I have ever questioned or there's nothing that I've not understood up to this point after 38 years of following God that I've not been able to find an answer in the word that has not brought confirmation and comfort to my spirit, that I have the truth. This thing's a battle for the truth, friends. That's what we're in. That's what we're engaging. This is a battle for the truth. Everybody wants their truth. This is my truth. This is the way I see it. This is the way that I like to explain it. This is the way that I want to live. This is my perception of truth. One thing that you must be careful of as a 
believer in the word of God. This is something you have to be very careful of. And that is allowing emotion to dictate your perception instead of faith in your heart that's unmovable. People are emotional creatures. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith, not by their emotion. I feel things a lot. You can feel sad. You can feel happy. You can feel depressed. You, you can feel, you can feel excited. You, you can feel fear. You can feel, you know, you can feel the world. You can feel peace. You, you can feel all these things. But a lot of times we begin to believe a thing based upon how we feel about something. You can feel a certain way about something, and if you let yourself feel that way long enough, you will allow it to play out in your life. You can feel depressed about something and be depressed long enough about something that eventually you'll begin to feel like killing yourself and you will allow the perception and your feeling to take control of your behavior. Right? you got to anchor. The Bible says that what do we do with our feelings? We take them and we treat them, our soul, like an anchor. And we embed them in the Word. So when your feelings go crazy... Make sure they're anchored in the word. When life goes like this and you're a ship and you're just booing all over the sea, but you're anchored. You might go up, you might go down, but you're, not, you're anchored in the word. You're not going to stop believing what you believe because life has done this to you because you've taken your emotions the way you feel and you place them in the word of God. And as, as long as you trust the word of God, I promise you, your feelings will change. Because when your soul is anchored in the word, your emotions will convert from a feeling back to the bedrock of faith. You will come back if you anchor your emotions in the word of God. Right? So anchor those things. We all have it. We all question. We all sense different things. Why, when some people, life throws them something awful, why do some people, you may have the same, two different people have the same scenario and have the same feelings and one person floats away in their feelings and another person stays put and cries tears on their pillow at night. And they grasp hold of every ounce of strength they have and pull themselves up by their bootstraps to stay anchored in truth. And some just gone. Same scenario, same emotions, two different results. I'm anchored in the word. People say to me, and, and listen, my life is great. I am blessed beyond measure. 
I've been through a thing or two. But when I look at my brothers and sisters who have really been through a thing or two, I can't complain. But there would be those that would look at me and say, how are you standing? How are you doing that? How, how are you standing? I'm, not, I'm anchored. And if I move, it's because the rock moved. Right? You're anchored. You've had loss. Yeah, but you're anchored. You've had disappointment. Yeah, but you're anchored. You, it makes you feel depressed. Yeah, but you're anchored. Your feelings will change. Keep your anchor in the word. I promise you, faith will prevail. Faith is a powerful thing. If you've got faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can say on this mount, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Listen, just keep that mustard seed faith <laughs> anchored in the word. And the emotions and the feelings and the ups and the downs, they're going to come and go. Life will never stop throwing stuff at you. So the, what does it say here in Corinthians? Is that where we're at? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at this. Powerful stuff. But, verse 3, but if our gospel, the gospel, the good news, salvation, Christ, you know the gospel. If it's hid, veiled, hide and go seek. If it's hid, just because it's hid doesn't mean it's not there. Everybody play flashlight tag? Yeah. You might be hiding, but that doesn't mean you're not there. <laughs> if the light of the gospel is hid, what's he say? It's hid to them that are lost, in whom the what? God of this world. Who is the God of this world? The devil, Satan. How'd he become the little G-O-D God of this world? When Adam and Eve gave up the rights to uh, perpetuate God's original intent when they disobeyed and fell in the garden, when they chose. It's a whole nother message. The God of this world, Satan, who is a God, he is worshiped like a God. He sets up idols for people to worship as God. That's what he does. He controls, uh, how, how do we know what's going on? Satan loves war. He loves killing. He loves murder. What he said, John said, the thief came not but to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I come to give life and life more abundantly. Where do you find life and life abundantly? In Christ, in Christ alone. That's it. Whether you're hanging from a jail cell, singing at midnight because you're persecuted for what you believe, or you're standing beside a loved one who has gone on before you. And you're grieving the loss and the pain. Jesus is the light. He says, verse 4, In whom the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So there are people that believe not. And what is going on there? Let's look at the dynamic of this. What's it say? Satan has blinded those that believe not. He's blinded. He's hid the light from them. He's cast a dark shadow upon them. That's why he says, when you come to God, you are translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Where are these unbelievers 
Where's their position? They are living in the kingdom of darkness. And they are being blinded from the light. Who is that group saying? Blinded by the light. Uh, who was it? Yeah, the, the man in the back. <laughs> That's growing a beard the same color as mine. He knows it. It's the man for ban. My goodness, Marty, you're good. They are blinded whom the, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. What's he blinded? Their minds. How's he blind the mind? The mind is the place where, where we process thought. Thought creates concepts that birth beliefs. I mean, he indoctrinates them. I mean, look at our country today, how it has shifted. And I won't get into it, but y'all, me and Marty know, because we're the oldest in the group here. Sorry, Marty. (laughs) But we know what it was 40 years ago living in America and what high schoolers believed. And what college graduates believed. 40 years later, it's not the same. Why is that? Because the, the mind has been bombarded with new thoughts and new ideas and new revelations. And the, the interesting thing is they call it the woke. You all woke. Wow, we're woke now. No, you just doubled down on your darkness. The only reason you want to stand up and say you're woke and come out of the closet is because you got a bigger army behind you substantiating what you want to believe that enables you to continue to love the deeds of darkness more than light. Right? So what has happened? The minds have been blinded. My mind has been enlightened. People say it on me, and and TikTok, and I'll I'll get in different debates here and there, and they'll say like, you've been brainwashed. (laughs) Yep, all the darkness has been washed away. The blood of Jesus has washed my brain. Absolutely. And I could say to them, they've been brainwashed, right? How do we know whose washing is right? One is darkness, the other one is light. One confirms the truth, the other confirms darkness. Men love darkness more than light. That is embedded in fallen human nature. Men love darkness more than light. Why? Because our deeds are evil. And Moses said, there is pleasure in sin. I can't get no help up in here. Yeah. 
Everybody's, nobody's addicted to anything but feel good. As my son would say. I wasn't addicted to drugs, Dad. I was addicted to feel good. So, the light of the gospel is hid. It's hid to those uh, whose minds in which believe not left. He said, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So, he's working on the unbelievers to keep them blind in their mind. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto him. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, and he has shined in our hearts to give the light of the what? Knowledge Mind bend here. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is about truly enlightenment. And it is also, but, but the problem with enlightenment, people can get enlightened to the spirit, but not be anchored in the truth. They can tap into spirit and not be anchored in truth. And they'll go through all kinds of things, and they'll line out your chakras, and they'll do all this and that, and they'll, they'll project astrology, and they will, they will, you know, they'll go on mushroom trips and, and, and you know, visit the leprechaun and all these things for enlightenment. They'll, you can tap into the other dimension without being anchored in truth. Be careful. People go into that realm uninvited. And when they get there and they're enlightened, they think that they can control it. And they can control it as long as those spirits allow them. But one day they will come for them. Right? So be careful. Even enlightenment and and. When I was coming up in the 80s in Christianity, there was a big movement going on. It was demonology. There was this book out there called Pigs in the Parlor. And it was a book about different types of spirits and different types of behaviors. It was kind of like a psychoanalyzing of behavior and attaching a, a, a name of a demon to it. You got a devil of this. You got a demon of that. And yeah, all these different things. So coming up in, in the, the, that time of, of demonology, and again, a lot of that is embedded in this statement. Demonology is not for fascination. Why do people dabble? Fascination. It wasn't for fascination, it was for revelation and information. But when you become fascinated with something, I mean, you can really broaden and expand it to cause it to mean anything you want it to mean. 
Listen, that's why we have the book. It is not changing. It has been here. It was here before we got here. It will be here after we're gone. It is the tried, tested, and true word of Almighty God. This is it. And again, I'll say this, and you've heard me say before, why do I believe it? Because 90% of every prophecy that's been written in this book in the Old Testament and in the New Testament has been fulfilled to the letter. And the remaining 5 or 10% of prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled, I am confident, based upon its record, that it will come forth and produce and be the same and be accurate is the same uh, as the rest of it. So you can be confident. Why do I get up here and say things with, you know, you might say, man, he's pretty sure about himself in that. Well, no. Somebody, somebody, I was mentioning something the other day, and, uh, and they said to me, and, and what I was saying was a, what would appear to be a prophetic prediction. And they got on there and they said, may God have mercy on your soul. You are a false prophet. Okay, I can take that because I've said that to others. (laughs) (laughs) And I basically said this. This is not a prophecy. I am not prophesying to you and nor am I as a prophet predicting the future. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's all I got. And I believe what it says. This is my, my predictions of what be, tomorrow being 100 years, 20 years, five days, whatever. The time is irrelevant, but the substance of... The future and the truth of how God describes it is not. Why am I saying that? The word of God is true. So you can pillow your head at night, right here, cry yourself to sleep in your disappointment, cry yourself to sleep in your pain, cry yourself to sleep in your emotional roller coaster, cry yourself to sleep and I don't understand, cry yourself to sleep, I don't get it, and you'll be okay. Sun's going to rise. The Word of God will be confirmed once again. His mercies will be renewed in your life tomorrow. Everything's going to be good. Why? Because we... (laughs) Do you know how valuable... The things that you possess as it pertains to God. Do you know how that? It is so valuable that the enemy of your soul will use unbelievable lengths and go to much effort to take it from you. Nobody tries to steal something that isn't valuable. If someone broke into my house, they might, might take three things. Most of them would turn around and walk out. <laughs> this is a wash. <laughs> right? Because there's nothing valuable there. Except my family, in all reality. 
But a thief wouldn't come in and say, hey, hey, hey jackpot. Oh, let's, let's, let's take that uh, 1987 Walkman sitting over there. Yeah, let's. Let... No, there's no value. The enemy comes in like a flood to your life and constantly tries to cast a shadow of darkness on the light that's in you because what you possess is valuable and he knows it. He knows it. And it's not so much that you possess it. The threat comes from you sharing it. And that's why a lot of times as Christians, we just shy away and we, we kind of don't say nothing anymore because we're just tired of the fight. Forget it. That's their problem. To hell with you. <laughs> I know I'm the only one. <laughs> right? Why? Because it's a fight. You want to you share the light, you're going to have to confront darkness. And if you don't want to share the light anymore, you don't have to confront darkness that's in the hearts of men, embedded from birth, conception. You don't have to encounter it. You don't have to engage it. I don't have to deal with that. I got my light, y'all. Y'all, whatever. Run on. Why do I fight up here on Sunday? Why did I get up? Why'd you get up today? Because the fight is a good fight. I believe what I'm sharing today is valuable. This is not just, you know, it's valuable to me. And I perceive it's valuable to you or you wouldn't be here. So what you, there, you place value on, you make an effort to obtain. Regardless of how you feel, you'd rather be doing something else. I value this. I value what I share. I'll sacrifice for it. And I'll share it as long as there's one person left to listen. Because it's that valuable to me. And I believe it that much. I'm not shaking, I'm not shaken by those whose minds have been darkened because they don't believe. I've got something so valuable. You have something so valuable that Satan, the God of this world, would spend millions and billions and trillions of dollars to sell you a lie to capture your mind and what you believe. You better believe it. And he'll give you a bunch of feel good to walk away from it. And he'll load your life up with temporary pleasure. But if you're anything like me, at the end of temporary pleasure, if that's the route you go, when you wake up, the void is deeper and deeper. There's nothing there. The earth, you're made of earth, right? Here's a nugget for you. God formed man from the dust of the ground. 
You're made of earth. The Bible says in the beginning, the earth was void, right? Without form, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. You take that into your own life. Your earth was void, empty, without form. And darkness was on your dirt. When did things begin to move in Genesis 1 and 2? And then the Spirit began to move. A little nugget for you, right? And then God began to speak, and what did he say? Out of the moving of the Spirit. God didn't speak until the Spirit was moving. The problem is sometimes it's, nah, I ain't even going there. I'm, I'm going to be so nice today. <laughs> when the Spirit moves, oh, I'm about out of time. We'll finish this up. The Spirit moves. God speaks. What does he speak over the earth when the Spirit moves? Let there be light, baby. You didn't get the light before the Spirit was moving. You were void. You were empty. You were without shape, without form. You didn't know who you were. Your life was a big identity mass crisis. I don't know who I am. That was my life. But the enemy will give you so many, well, okay, here's a form you can take as long as it keeps you from the light. Here's something that you can be as long as it keeps you from the light. Here's something that you can do as long as it keeps you from the light. What's he doing? He's trying to fill the void that's created for nothing more than spirit, but he gives you things to fill it up with to keep your mind blinded. Why can't they see? Because they're blinded. So what do we do? We pray that the Spirit would move, and in a moment when the Spirit is moving, the Word of God will speak light into their darkness, and their sin-sick soul will be woke, and their spirit will come alive. We call it born again. Prayer does matter. It matters. Pray the Spirit of God moves so when the Word of God's spoken, light can be revealed. Right? So important. Do you know how blessed we I just I just can't. I know some of you feel like, oh, I don't feel blessed. I don't care how you feel. You are so blessed. Your eyes are open. Your mind, the blinders have been taken off of your mind. God has allowed you to see something because there was a void in you that said, darkness isn't the way. It's not enough. If this is all there is, it's not enough. I filled my life with all the things darkness could give it, and I realized at a very young age, dear Lord, this ain't enough. Is that it? And I'm so glad I did. 
No, younger you grab a hold of that, the greater your life will be. It's just not enough. It's empty. It's like, it's like partying before you get saved and partying after you get saved. Before you get saved, you party. I mean, you have a good time. You have a life of party. Oh, this is the greatest one. You wake up with a headache and you wake up in places you shouldn't be. And, yeah, oh. <laughs> and you just soothe your conscience with a couple days of time. And then you go back out the next week and you look for that rush again. And after you get saved, you go and do that and you wake up and like, gosh, that is so empty. There's ain't nothing there. I'm just not attracted to that anymore. I don't like swallowing air. There's nothing there. And if you got the light of God in you and you go play in darkness, you're swallowing air. And when you wake up, you realize it's just so empty. But my friends and my buddies and my my classmates. <laughs> How? Can, oh, oh, I don't want them to. I don't want them to think I'm a prude. <laughs> we'll keep swallowing nothing, and keep feeling emptier and emptier and emptier. You can do that, or you can pray for them, make a stand as a man and a woman of God, and say, "I found the light. You too can come." I've filled my void. I'm not wanting anymore. You too can come. I understand if you don't want to. I understand if you don't see it. But I pray someday you will. And the reason I understand, because there was a day I didn't see it. There was a day I didn't get it. But we can't bring comfort with our minds open and our eyes open and the light of God shining on the inside of us and go back into their void space and bring them comfort in their blindness. How do you do that? You just go and do what they do. Like, this is the thing to do now. When you've already stepped out of it, you're confirming, it's all good. Keep, keep drinking that nothing. I'm going to confirm it with you. Because I want to feel something. Or you can just be a man or a woman of God and say, man, it hurts me to walk away from that emptiness because I got friends left over there. But I know if I keep going in there and comforting comforting them and participating with them in that void, I am not helping them. I came out. And I promise you, the same emptiness that hits you that caused you to come out will be the same emptiness that hits them. Some of them have just a little bit deeper pit than you did. But they'll get their fill of nothing. And one day, when they're looking for the light, dear Lord, I hope you're not standing there in nothingness next to them. When you know the truth, you have so much value in you. Right? It's a hard saying. Who can hear it? That's why I say Christianity. It's not for the faint of heart because the path is broad and many go thereby. 
the path that we've chosen to hold on to truth because we see value and it's very narrow and there's very few people on it. We stay over here because we understand how valuable it is. And the light of this glorious gospel has been shed abroad in our hearts and we cannot deny it because we cannot deny ourselves. I know in whom I have believed. I know who I was in nothingness, and I know who I am in light, and I cannot deny that. I can go back, but I can't deny it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. All right, I'm finishing here. Isaiah says in 9-2 and Matthew 4-16 says, Those who once walked in darkness, they have seen a great light. One more scripture and we'll close. Matthew 6. This is it. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 6. This is so important. This is what I'm talking about right here. And I'm closing. I promise. Got, oh, we got one minute. I'm out. Of, we're done. I promise. I won't, I won't die tribe here. We got uh, Matthew 6 and 22. And maybe we'll just expound on this next week. The light of the body is the eye. And if thy eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. What is darkness? Evil. If therefore the light that is in you, that is in thee, be darkness, how great is thy darkness? What is he saying? Don't allow anybody to start casting shadows over your light. Because if, if, if the enemy completes his goal and blocks, does, a, does a, an eclipse, eclipses your light by an obstacle of put your name on it, and there's a message right there. Somebody's trying to eclipse your light. He says, then your darkness is great because you had the truth of the light and you let somebody turn it out. Your darkness. The Bible says it'd be better to never known the truth than to know the truth and turn your back on it. The scripture says that your life will become seven times worse than it would have became if you would have never acknowledged the truth and turned your back on it. Because light goes back to darkness and wants to play with the devil's toys. You think the devil is going to make it a safe place for you. You're wrong. How do we, how do we conquer this? This is it. I'm praying. If thine eye be single. Why did, why did Peter start to sink? He had a single eye when he stepped out of the boat and they were fixed on Jesus. But his eyes stopped being single and he looked over here at the waves and he looked over here at the, at the billows. He began to observe the wind. His eye lost its singleness. Therefore, singleness lost its power and it gave room for darkness and Peter began 
to sink. Let's pray. Father God, we love you today. Thank you for your word. We value it, God. We don't take it for granted. I thank you for this gathering we have here today. My brothers and sisters, I thank you they have the same hunger and desire for truth and the word of God. And I thank you, God, that you've made it so simple that a fool wouldn't err therein. We're not trying to trick anybody here, God. We're not trying to brainwash anybody. We're just exposing light and opposition to the darkness truth to air immortality mortality spirit material based upon <laughs> the god who created all things we love you father I pray today for every person under the sound of my voice, God, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation just sparks. And I pray something that was said today causes a a revelation to come alive, Lord God, and that we would act on that revelation and pursue it and dive into it and let vision come alive and let hope come alive and let steadfastness come alive, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. If you would, you can. If you want to, let's pray this together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the light. And I am in the light. You are the light. And you live in me. Expel all darkness. Give me understanding. Take the blinders off of my friends, my family. I pray your spirit move. And we speak light, salvation to their life. Send laborers into their harvest field. And of course, Lord, we make ourselves available for you to speak your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together one time if you love the word this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a little bit of praise there. Amen and amen.